Hello Knockouts, Tanya TKO here, and we are back with episode number five of Goddess Off the Grid. And today we're going to be talking about the aggressive white victim with the word victim in quotation marks. We're going to be talking about this phenomenon that exists inside of the United States where a white person will aggress upon a black person just minding their black ass business. And then here comes a white person stepping in their path, trying to block them off, antagonizing them in the parking lot, calling the cops on a 12-year-old, calling the cops on black people leaving their Airbnb, but just overall enacting domestic social terrorism on black people just going about minding their own black ass business. And then here they come with their nonsense. And then once things start to escalate or the police come, then all of a sudden they jump into a flurry of tears and start pretending to be the victim. Or when it blows up on social media, then all of a sudden they turn around, that's not who I am. But it was you when you were terrorizing those people. We've all seen the videos. We saw the video of the Caucasian man following the two girls who were leaving the pool, trying to find out where they lived. I mean, where is this acceptable? We've heard the news reports about the white women who have called the police on 12-year-old boys mowing lawn or the girls who were leaving an Airbnb or any number of situations that really don't need police intervention. However, there is an effort to otherize, an effort to enact your dominion over. And there's only certain types of black people that I've seen this happening to. And it's not the type of black people that these people are really afraid of. But this was a topic that struck my curiosity. And I actually announced it thinking that this was going to be something easy to speak about. But the issue is so complex. I spent all of the weekend, all of yesterday, diving in deep, doing research, so much so that the podcast is a little late. So forgive me for not having it up on Monday. Typically, I want to get the podcast out Monday, Wednesday, and Friday so that we can get on a schedule and you all will know when the podcast is coming out. But there was so much research that needed to be done. And there were so many feelings and emotions that came up while doing this research because this is not something that's in our history or our past. This is something that is happening right now. And in order to discuss why this is happening, we have to peel back many different layers and jump down into the rabbit hole because we're talking about white supremacy. We're talking about, we have to go way back into when white people once considered themselves quote unquote owning black people. And we have to dive into why a person would feel dominion over another human being. And you know what? Listen, I know that there are going to be some people who are going to be like, not all. Because when I announced this on my Facebook page yesterday doing research, it descended into chaos. If you are the type of human being that needs for me to say, quote unquote, not all in or before or after or during as the precursor and the disclaimer to my content, then my content is not for you. We have adult intelligent conversations here. And if I don't say all, then there's no reason for you to imply all. However, I understand that this is a touchy topic. And people want to separate themselves from that which they see as the issue. And so they say things like, 
not all, not me. And I'm going to implore that if you are tempted to say that, then you are part of the problem. You're part of the issue right there. And you're one of the people that allow this to perpetuate by instead of really focusing and looking at what exists in front of all of us, you want to make it personal about you and be like, oh, well, since I don't do it, it's not an issue. However, we do see that it is happening and it is an issue. And this is not a topic that brings me pleasure to speak about. As a matter of fact, this was a very painful topic to look up because we had to dive back deep into the word of a white woman and what that word has meant throughout the ages in this country and how many people were killed at the behest of a white woman's fragility and so-called femininity. So like I said, this is a complex issue and we are going to dive into so many different parts of it. I did a lot of research. I have a lot of notes and this conversation is going to be chock full of a lot of information. So like I said, it's a layered complex issue. The targeted audience for this particular podcast are black people and white allies. And when I say white allies, I'm talking about a Caucasian person who is in the fight for what's right for what's right's sake without expecting anything from black people and without having a pussy or a dick in the fight. And when I say that, I'm talking about the people who believe in the liberation of oppressed people as being the right thing to do. Not because you personally have something to gain or because you want to liberate your children who are biracial when you know that your biracial children will be placed above Negroid children and that the philanthropy of your wishes in this fight go as far as the resources and favors you can glean gain or garner for your own children and then once you and your children get what it is that you need the buck stops there and then you take your biracial children and you jump in and out of this blackness and then go about your lily white business because your children are good your children are fine so that we've shifted the conversation from the liberation of oppressed people to now colorism so that now if your biracial children are getting what it is that they need and they're recognized as non-threats then you're good but meanwhile while other people are dying each and every day. That's not the targeted audience. The targeted audience is a Caucasian American who knows or has the feeling that white privilege does exist and is interested in conversations from black people about this topic. This conversation is also for black people who want to dive deeper into this phenomenon and work out your own feelings and get validation for some things that you may have been feeling but didn't know how to quite put your finger on and didn't know how to put it together. And also this conversation will serve as a healing for some people and the trauma that we continue to go through as we continuously and constantly see this in our news cycle. Some parts of this conversation will be bias and bias is not prejudice. Because prejudice is when you form an opinion without sufficient information. So you prejudge without enough information. And bias is not bigotry. Because bigotry is when you're intolerant of a person or close-minded about a group of people. A bias is simply seeing things through your point of view, seeing things through your bias. This is a conversation from a black woman who is directly affected by this phenomenon, not just in the news cycle, but throughout my life, the course of my life, as well as the current goings on. So for those of you out there who are artistic or you sew, you know that when fabric is cut on a bias, it's cut at an end 
angle. So yes, there may be some parts of this conversation which are biased because it's coming through my filter. And we're going to keep it real in this conversation. I'm not going to pull any punches. And I'm going to speak exactly as I see it. And this conversation is not racism. Racism is a social construct. A social construct in which there is a bias which enacts laws, governance, socioeconomic disparity, the overall oppression of people, and bigotry which leads to the overall oppression of people solely based on race. In order to have racism, it must be systemic. It must be something that is enacted and supported by the government and the governmental systems with key players in place throughout the judicial system and law enforcement and banking and social construct in order to be able to keep certain people in a box simply based on their race. As a single solitary black woman, I do not have the power by myself to enact racism. Racism is social and is system-wide. Can I be biased? Yes, I can. Every human being has their own types of biases. However, what is the power that this person has over other people? You know, a farmer sitting out in Iowa who is biased or even a bigot or even prejudiced, if that is his personal opinion, listen, we have a right to feel how it is that we choose to feel. Now, if that farmer in Iowa has a judicial job at the courthouse and they're in charge of giving out farming permits and they stop certain people from getting permits because they don't like the way they look or they don't like their those people or they don't they don't really get wrong with them kind. And that kind is based on the color of a person's skin or their socioeconomic status or what language they speak or what religion they practice, then it's problematic. If that farmer in Iowa is a school teacher in charge of teaching children, then it's problematic. If that farmer in Iowa just wants to sit on his porch, chewing on his backer and spitting in his little canteen and talking about how he don't like them negras, that's his business. When he goes out and puts on a white sheet and starts now infringing upon the rights of other people, then it becomes somebody else's business. If he decides to then go and join a police force, get himself a license to carry and be an executor of the state, and he uses that bias to impend and impound upon people of a certain race, creed, color, or constituency, then that's a problem. Then that becomes other people's business. But if he just wants to sit on his lowly porch, rocking back and forth in his rocking chair, talking about the Nigers, that's a whole different story. You sit there on your porch, buddy. But when you start infiltrating that onto the masses, it becomes an issue. And that's when we speak up about it. There are a lot of deflectors nowadays who feel that a black person speaking up about injustice is quote unquote racism or quote unquote racist, or that's only perpetuating the issue. And these are people who have the privilege to feel so. Martin Luther King said, for evil to succeed, all it needs is for good men to do nothing. So the people who are talking about they are colorblind, you are not an ally. For the people talking about, I, I don't see color, racism doesn't exist, I treat everybody equal, you are not an ally. An ally is a person who realizes that there are injustices that exist today. And they, even though they know that they themselves don't enact it, look, you don't have to quote unquote see color. But if you use that ignorance and that bias of not seeing color to allow people to suffer, people in need to suffer. I read this meme on Facebook the other day and the meme was like, oh, I don't want to, I, I, 
I no longer watch the news. I, I don't read the newspaper. I turn it off. It's just, it's too, it's too distressing. My, my life is better when it's off. They showed that quote and they showed that that was a quote from pre-World War Germany where people got tired of seeing the injustices against the Jewish people in the media. So they turned it off. They turned away. They, did, they didn't want to look directly at that pain. It was too much. And what ended up happening? In the vacuum of their silence, the concentration camps built up. And the longer they stayed silent, the longer people were unable to enact evils on their own countrymen. So we're going to jump right into this. If you find yourself sensitive to the opinions of other people in situations that differ from your own, then this broadcast is not for you. This conversation is a conversation for the brave. And so we're going to dive into it. Right after the break, I'm going to play you a recording. Remember the woman who accosted the young lady in the Target, where she was the, the white woman was reaching over the black girl, invading her space. So a black woman was in Target with her child. A white woman decided that she would reach her body over the black child to get something off of the shelf, nearly knocking the child over. The black mother got up in arms and argued down this woman. And the woman was antagonizing her and goading her. I'm going to play that recording for you because we have a treat. Oh, we have a treat. This is the first woman that we've had after the fact who felt so emboldened by her actions that she decided to come out and create a recording about how she feels about the situation. And then we're going to jump into the whole, the aggressive white victim. When you listen to that recording, I want you to listen for the arbitals. And as you know, in the Tanya TKO show, the arbitals are reading between the lines. I'm going to play every bit for you. And I want you to hear the things that she's saying, how she says it, what it is that she expresses. Because this is so, this is the, the launching pad for our discussion today because when you hear this you get to dive into the psyche of a woman who is privileged but blinded by her own privilege to feel that she is the victim so we're going to jump into that i can't wait for you to hear that remember to share this podcast with a loved one and consider contributing something monthly to be able to help keep this podcast going let your loved ones know that this is a podcast where we learn and we teach and we discuss and we have meaningful conversations about society, about dating, relationships, spirituality, ourselves. This is Goddess Off The Grid. I am a person who lives off of the grid full-time in an RV. However, we talk about many different types of grids and we talk about unplugging from many different types of matrices, including the ones that exist inside of us. On this podcast, we dive deep into social, personal, spiritual, and relationship issues. I am a life coach, a certified clinical hypnotherapist, and a self-love specialist. I've been helping people love themselves for more than 10 years. I've recently switched over to podcasting, and this is a medium that is more suited to the long-form content that we love to use for teaching and diving deep. So go ahead and share this podcast. Make sure that your loved ones are also listening. Get their points of views. We're going to start creating segments on the different shows like on Wednesday we're going to have a what would you do Wednesday and we're going to have a skit acting out a scenario but for the time being I just want you to share this podcast and keep the love going and when this podcast is up on Apple Podcasts, make sure that you go over and you rate and subscribe and that you are on my personal mailing list to be able to get the notifications 
I'm your host, Tanya TKO from tanyatko.com. I have a self-love affirmations workbook, which is available on Amazon, as well as hypnotherapeutic MP3s to help you shift your subconscious programming and reattune you to self-love. So if you're ready, I'm ready. So let's go. You're lucky I will knock your phone off. What's your name? Head. Where do you I live? I will knock your head off. Oh, really? I will knock your head off. For just standing Keep here. Keep playing with me. I'm not doing anything. I'm standing here. But I'm just standing here. Keep playing with me. I will knock your head off. No. Keep playing with me. Don't do that. God, I got, leave me alone. Leave me alone. Don't cut do me because do this is going to the news. I don't care. Do what you want. You have a kid. You don't, I don't care? care. You should not have your kid's hard you to protect their cameras. You should not get arrested for this, right? You don't care? You don't care if you go to prison. You don't care if you don't go to prison. I don't care. So let's get this straight. Because I didn't say, oh, okay, you don't care. Because you didn't say excuse me. You're obviously violent. Because you didn't say excuse me. We're going to have an issue. I don't care. So you're violent. I don't care. Okay. What's your name? This is my name. Yeah, it, it definitely is. But what's it with your kid? I feel. What do you do to her at home if this is what you do to strangers? If you hit strangers, you what no do you do manners. to your kid? You have no manners. Look at this you kid. She's terrified. Look at your beautiful She's daughter. Terrified. She's terrified. She's not terrified. Yes, you she is. Said, excuse me. So because That's so fine. You, so let's say let's no, say I didn't you, say excuse me. You go quiet. hit strangers. Be quiet. You okay. should have said excuse me. So this is the woman. have manners. This is the woman in Target on Flatbush and Avenue I. You don't have manners. And I'm going to give this to the cops. They'll ahead, find you. you They'll find do you. What you have to do. So you what are you gonna tell them? Excuse me. Point blank. Point I'm blank. Everyone's gonna watch and this. I'm gonna. I'm about to hit you. I'm about to knock your whole head off. Say this. So keep playing with me. I'm keep not playing with anything. Me. I'm about to knock your whole entire head off. Keep playing with me. Keep playing with me. Keep playing with me. Yes, please do. Please get security. I'm asking you to please get security. You should have said excuse me. Point blank. She said, excuse me. Okay, so that because I didn't say excuse me when I needed something. Okay, so I reached over to get a yes. shampoo. Okay. Okay. So because I didn't say excuse yeah, me, you're knocking you people up. Yeah, because you didn't say excuse me. Okay, no problem. Let so the cops decide. What I'm capable of. So this is what I'm capable of. Okay, so you're done or you're continuing? No. You're done or you're continuing? Because tell me when to hit no, stop. She's not terrified. She's perfectly fine. She's not terrified? Do no, you see all not, these adults, the way they're looking at you? You're going to stop? I'm ignorant. Okay, fine. So I'm going to call the cops on you now. No problem. No problem. I'm calling them right now. So, you guys know how much I love going to Target. You guys know how much I always talk about what I get there. I will believe that there, never walk into that place again. Never. Because of how the people who work there responded to the situation. And regarding what I was saying with the rabbis and the rabbis and I will ask all of you who go there. For me, if you could just shop there last for yourself as a Jewish person. It's so scary, guys how situations we feel so comfortable here in america we feel like we blend we feel like we we are never ever going to fit in and be safe anywhere until mashiach comes and we're on israel and every person i guess eventually gets this awakening as a jewish person and 
I had mine today and it's not even in regards to that woman. That woman was a crazy, psychotic woman who obviously is not normal and I had her on camera and when I called the cops, I thought that I am going to call the cops. I have this woman, literally she had to be pulled away. You can see it on camera because she was threatening me. And of course the cops, I mean, of course they're gonna come to my aid, right? They're gonna come help me right away. No, no they're not. Okay, so I don't know if all the stories are gonna be uploaded because I know Instagram messes with stories sometimes when there's too many. So basically, I called the cops and you would think I have this video. What is there even a question? No, it doesn't work like that. They're not coming to my aid so quickly. And that's when I realized. I was like, we have no one but Hashem. No one, no cops. Doesn't matter if you know the captain of whatever. It doesn't matter if you're friends with the mayor. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It can help you in certain situations, but we have Hashem and that's it. Hashem and ourselves and the Torah and that's it. And it's so sad, guys, that it takes situations like this to make us as Jews realize this and throughout the years that's what happens it's when we see that the Gaim turn our back on us that that's when we realize that wait we're not like them and I realized that today the cops came first of all zero empathy and the reason by the way I've thought a million times of coming on this way I don't like doing this on my page I never do this but this as Jewish people it's such an important thing to hear in this moment not when I'm calmed down I want you to witness this what I'm going through because you could have gone through it and you might go through it and it would have been the same with you what they saw was a Jewish woman they didn't care the people in Target saw a colored woman with a child and even though she did what she did, they helped her and ushered her out, even though she was one million percent in the wrong. And she was still there. I thought she had left, but she was still there. Long story short, she told them that I reached over her kid, which I did. I reached over the kid. The kid is this short. She comes up to my knees. I reached over the kid, and I. they said that they saw on the camera. I turned around, almost walked into the kid. Right, You know me. I walk into kids all day, right? Oh my God, whatever the case is, they're like, she's not only that. In two days from now, she can call up the 70th precinct in Brooklyn. I could do the same for her. And she can get my name. She could get my number, my cell phone number. And she could get my address, which Baruch Hashem is not my address that I live at today. Baruch, Baruch Hashem. It isn't, Hashem was very merciful with that. She, I said, I don't understand, I'm you saw she like assaulted. That's not assault, because she didn't hit you. I was like, she hit my hand. No, it's not assault. And that I'm filing a harassment against this person. Literally, I called you, cops. I called you because this woman slapped the phone out of my hand three times and threatened to knock my head off or in whatever language she chose. And what are you doing for me? In two days, you're giving her my cell number. Amazing, I'm so happy I called you. <sighs> Unbelievable. Guys, all I could say, and how the Target members were looking at me. I spent hundreds of thousands of dollars over the years at this place. Never again, Belinda, never.
And I am telling you guys, if you want to start a ban target, if you want to start a boycott target, the way these people were looking at me, like I was the bad one. And the cops even said, well, you were holding up a video, you were antagonizing her, you were yelling and screaming. Guys, you watched the video. Am I yelling? Am I screaming? Am I antagonizing? It's so sad, like I said, that as on days like now, when I feel like this, that I feel so Jewish because, because, and that's why I'm on here like this. I thought a hundred times about coming on here like this, but I, I realized that it's such a powerful message and I hope you guys can feel like you were there with me. The cops didn't help. They did that complete opposite because now that woman is going to have my maiden name and she is going to have my cell phone number and where I used to live. And it's unbelievable. Like now whenever I hear and think that all we have is Hashem to watch out for us and to watch over us. And it's so sad that I had to go through something like this and realize, no, I don't feel so safe when I see a cop car. They're not gonna help me. They didn't help me. I have it on film. You think I have it on film? I have it. And yes, I give you permission to share this story and with as many ways. And we are back. Oh, Farah Hashem. Oh, Farah. Farah Hashem that she did not have her current address on the police report. Farah Hashem. Oh. Listen, let's jump right into this. She's hollering out, oh, Farah Hashem. And I can only imagine that that means thank God or whatnot that she didn't have her, her real or current address on the police report. But if you listen to the audio, the audio opens on her talking about, yeah, yeah, what's your name? What's your address? Where do you live? Going on and on and on. The woman is walking away from her, and she's standing there with her phone, filming this woman's child without authorization, a minor, filming the face of a minor without the parent's authorization, antagonizing this woman from afar, beckoning the woman back, perpetuating the situation, making the situation last a lot longer than it needed to have. And then, when she got onto her own little broadcast, look at how she was crying. Oh, now she's the victim, Farah Hashem, she's the victim. She's sitting there in tears, blubbering going on and on about how we're alone. We only have Hashem. And so now what she's doing is she's beckoning out, giving the call for the people who understand the call that she's giving. So she's speaking in Hebrew and she's speaking out these words, beckoning for the men who are of that culture and custom to be able to come forward towards her aid. I want you to talk about the arbitals that you heard there because I heard many. Let's go into it one by one. First of all, she comes out talking about how they're alone and they will never be seen like the rest of them. First of all, the woman is white. I know she identifies as Jewish, but Judaism is not a race. It is a religion. In some instances, it is an ethnicity. But she is white. There are only three races. Negroid, Caucasoid, Mongoloid. 
this is a caucasoid woman sitting there crying talking about how they will never be seen as a part of society how would anybody coming onto the scene unless she started speaking in hebrew or yiddish how would anyone know that she practiced a particular religion someone coming on the scene is going to see a white woman and a black woman having this this argument slash altercation and she goes on talking about how she once used to feel safe with the police because she felt like the police were going to be there for her to help her etc help her with what help her with what she's calling upon her people to boycott the store on the strength of who it is that they know that she is and using her hebrew words calling forward for jewish people i guess to, to boycott this store over what she was standing there antagonizing this woman this is the quintessential aggressive victim. How does a person behave when they're afraid? Now listen, I have seen many of black people that I don't want to tangle and tussle with. You know them. You've seen them. The black people who have a difficult time speaking proper English. They don't give a damn. They were raised up rough. They'll F you up in a moment. They got, they feel in their lives that they have very little to lose or a lot less to lose than you do. I've seen black people like that that I just don't want to tussle with. They get loud very quickly, very aggressive. They, they come in out on the offensive. You know, I've seen these type of black people. But notice when these aggressive victims come out to the public. It's never those type of black people that they're standing in the pathway of. I did a video about this on Facebook many months ago when there was a black man trying to go into his apartment complex in an upscale neighborhood. He was trying to go into his apartment and there was a white woman stopping his path saying that he didn't belong there in the building, right? So now this is an upscale neighborhood. You got a black person there speaking the queen or king's English, however you want to refer to it. Well-spoken man in his business casual clothing. And she's talking about she's afraid. So she's impeding his path. Now if there were a man who was standing in front of her like, like, um, what's his name? Little Baby, is it? The one with the tattoos all over his face, who was Wayne's um, godfather or whoever, who, who with the bald head and the slurred speech and the gold teethus. You think she's going to stand in front of little baby's way? You think she's going to try to impede that black man's path? But no, 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 no. This is part of what we're going to jump into in this podcast. We're going to break it down piece by piece, the type of black people that they target and why. So we have this woman inside of this store who's now pulling the Jewish card because believe me, you, nobody would know that she's Jewish unless she had on the traditional Jewish or Hasidic garb or if she had her Star of David around her neck. And with that, they'd have to get very close up on her to be able to see that. But this is a Caucasian woman now standing up there talking about she doesn't feel safe with the police. Why? Because the police won't what? Give themselves extra paperwork, filling out, and arresting somebody where there were no injuries and no property damaged come on it's like now listen yes we must keep our hands to ourselves and that black woman if she was not going to completely just take the phone <laughs> to be filmed participating in you know this hit fest or whatever it was she was doing with her hand or phone or whatever I don't know technically she could have been arrested on something like that or given a citation or whatever but what she but touching somebody else's property doing that other stuff that that's doing way too much we have to learn to keep our hands to ourselves but the cops who can on the scene they were not about this mess but then it seemed like some something was filed 
something must have been filed because she said that the woman would have been able to call up in two days and be able to get her telephone number her name and her address so what's another arbitral that we heard in there and you know arbitrals are reading between the lines what's another arbitral that we heard the woman states security looked at the camera footage they corroborated the mother's story that this woman reached over her child and the woman even states inside of her own little broadcast security stated that this woman nearly knocked the child over and even though security is telling her this she's like yeah like like i run into children so one the black mother protecting her child she doesn't believe her two she doesn't believe security who is telling her she nearly knocked down the child and in this woman's privilege she is coming up with her own account for what she feels that she did even though security is telling her that she did something different then she's antagonizing the woman talking about oh you must be abusive to your child you must be ab let the woman go on you're freed right you're freed if you're freed let the woman go on let her go let her walk off you so goddamn afraid woman you so damn afraid, aren't you? So, I listen, like I said, I know what it is like to come into contact. I know what it's like to have to tussle up with a black person who don't give off. I know what that's like. And I know what it's like to be like, you know what? I'm outnumbered. I'm outgunned. This is not worth it. And you fall the F back. I know what it's like to fall back when you don't want to get into a certain type of confrontation, when you are more concerned with your safety, your personal property, going about your, your day, your beauty, whatever it is. I know what it's like to fall back and be like, all right, you got this one. I'm done. I'm going about my business. I know what that's like. What that woman did was not that. What she did was she stood there antagonizing this woman call it oh you look at your child your child is frightened did she sound afraid to you was she crying and blubbering then but no when she wanted to elicit the the sympathies when she wanted to elicit the sympathies of the people in her communities oh the tears the tears they began to trickle oh for Hashem she did not oh for Hashem oh Oh, for Hashem, that she didn't put her address on that paperwork. For Hashem, going off, beckoning to her people. We're about to take a break, but when we come back, I'm going to give you a special list that I've compiled of the three main archetypes of white women aggressors who are enacting this domestic social terrorism on black people in public. This is going to be your A to Z guide of how to identify the aggressor. I'm also going to break down the major and minor suits underneath each archetype so that you can know what is the motivating factor as well as the shadow side of that behavior so that you can know how to navigate in the situation. So stay tuned for that. Welcome back. This is your complete list of the three main archetypes of the white woman aggressor victims that are out there terrorizing black people in public. This is your A to Z guide. So I want you to refer back to this audio, share this audio so that other people can become educated about these three main types. And if I leave anything off, because I want you to compare these types, this is a comprehensive guide. I want you to compare these types to the ones that we've seen in the media, as well as the ones that you've seen in your personal life. And if I've left any off, by all means, leave me a voice message and I'll include that in the next podcast 
as the follow-up to this one. So if you're ready to jump in, I'm ready too. So let's go. The first archetype is Segregation Sally. And underneath this archetype are two major and two minor suits. So Segregation Sally goes all the way from Ku Klux Karen to Control Freak Franny. And then on the minor suit of that, you have Extinction Anxious Annie and Jealous Janice. So let me describe each one of these for you so that you can know when and how to recognize it. Segregation Sally is the arbiter for the white male patriarchy. She will vote against her gender interest in order to vote with her racial interest so that she aligns herself with the goodies that the white male patriarchy will befit unto her. She'll vote against female interest so that she can maintain the upper hand in dominance. Ultimately, she will give up her political control in order to maintain her social dominance and control. She feels that white people are superior though she can't really name anything that across the board that white people are consistently superior at besides dominating and colonizing and earth destruction. On the front side of this you have Ku Klux Karen who feels that she is superior and has the moral high ground. She believes that black people and people of color are beasts and beastly savages that need to be either civilized or exterminated by the quote-unquote superior whiteness. Which leads us into the other front side of this archetype, which is Control Freak Franny. Control Freak Franny feels safe when she's in control. She's the type of person who felt completely comfortable on the plantation being outnumbered by black people as long as they were dominant and dominating over black people. However, the moment that black people gained their freedom, then all of a sudden she became super afraid of black people and could no longer be in the same neighborhoods as them. She went from being completely comfortable with these quote-unquote savages breastfeeding and taking care of her babies and children. But then on the flip side, once these quote-unquote savages became liberated, then all of a sudden she didn't want them in the neighborhood. She didn't want to be around them. All of a sudden she was afraid. Oh, these people, the same wet nurses who use their quote-unquote savage breast to breastfeed her children are the same ones that now she's like, oh, I'm just so afraid of you all. What's going to happen my virtual? So control freak Franny, she's afraid. On the shadow side of Control Freak Franny is fear. She's afraid of becoming a minority in the United States because she is afraid that once she is a minority that she will be treated in the ways that she and her ancestors have treated minorities. So she's deathly afraid. And that leads into the other shadow side of Segregation Sally, which is Extinction Anxious Annie. Now Annie is afraid of becoming extinct. Remember we talked about her quote-unquote superiority complex? But when she looks around and she sees that even the sun is against her, that she can't survive out in the elements because she's lacking that main ingredient of melanin. She sees that even the environment is against her. She can't exist out in the elements. And with climate change, which is headed and speared by her voting practices in alignment with the white male patriarchy, who are, remember, experts at earth destruction, 
So now we have climate crisis upon us and she's in crisis because she is anxiously afraid of extinction. She knows that her genes are recessive and she is deathly afraid of being bred out. She knows that white women are having less and less children and she is afraid of what an America will look like if whites are no longer the majority. She's reading the writing on the walls, which is stating that by a certain year, in the year 2000s, the Caucasians in this country are going to be a minority. She looks at herself and her relation to the world around her, and she is envious of those who have the natural ability to be able to survive and thrive in the elements. And that's what leads us to Jealous Janice. Jealous Janice wants your black girl magic. She sees all that popping skin and sees that the black don't crack. And she wants that for herself. On the front side of this archetype, she feels that she's superior. She feels that she is dominant naturally. That she is more graceful and more beautiful, mind you by the standard of beauty created by the men who she is assisting to uphold that patriarchy. So she feels that she is the epitome of femininity, more graceful, more civilized than you black woman. But on the shadow side of that is jealousy. She wants that black girl magic for herself. She knows that if on even playing ground, she cannot compete. Her children cannot compete because remember, she has her eyes open. She's fooling herself into thinking that she's superior when there is no statistical evidence of superiority in any realm besides killing, colonizing, and earth destruction. When it comes to creativity, when it comes to sportsmanship, when it comes to care of the earth and all of those things, she's not seeing the representation of excelling in those fields. More and more reports are coming out about all of these people who felt that they quote unquote owned other people, how these inventions were actually created by the people that they thought that they owned. So they dominated these people, stole their ideas, the original people who have that original creativity. I remember I read this story, Who Moved My Cheese? And in the story, Who Moved My Cheese? It told a tale of two men who would go to an area where there was a cheese that was always bestowed upon them in that area. But they didn't pay attention to how the cheese was dwindling. And when all was said and done and the cheese was gone, one of the people felt that he was entitled to the cheese being there. He was like, this was my cheese. Where is my cheese now? But mind you, this person never made the cheese, never created the cheese. They only benefited from the cheese being there. But when you are not a creator and when you are not an innovator, Sooner or later, the resources that you have in front of you that you've dominated and stolen dry up. The story of who moved my cheese is all about the journey of how people relate to changes in the market. And there's a quote that goes, To many people, equality feels like a loss. So if you're used to hoarding everything 
and there are other people who are now getting to earn from that stash then you're beginning to lose and instead of realizing that there were people who had none and you had everything you're like why am i losing this is mine but let's go forward so we were talking about jealous janice and how she sees that black girl magic and she wants that black girl magic and that leads us into the next one and the next archetype is dick riding rita she's confronting and aggressing upon black men in public because she wants that d she wants to ride that d but she just doesn't know how she doesn't know how to get from where it is that she is onto pussy popping on the handstand upon some cocky. She doesn't know how to flip it, twist it, and bust it down. She really wants that black dick, so she's jumping in front of these black men, arguing with them because she's angry that she has little white pianists at home. She's angry that she got the little pink pianists. And she's angry because she really wants that big black cocky. And so she's stepping in front of them, standing in their way, hoping, now mind you, going back to segregation, Sally, hoping that the rumors were true of the, the violent black man who will just take her caveman ways and just have his way with her so that she can maintain deniable plausibility or plausible deniability so that she can remain and maintain her virtue and her purity because oh no 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 she didn't really want it outright just deep in her heart she was dick riding rita and she was looking for a way that she could get upon that big black cock and so she jumps in his way she stands in his path she cusses him out hoping that the rumors were true, but the rumors are not true. All of that is hype. The vast majority of rapes that occurred during this whole racist country are rapes of white men towards women of other races. It was white men raping black women. This is why we have the mixed up genes and genealogy in this country and in many others. So it was their men who raped and raped and raped then started these rumors about other men raping and creating and enacting laws and tribunes around the rumor of other men raping when the actuality of it is so small, when it was really their men who were the perpetrators and aggressors of that action. So Dick Riding Rita wants the D and she doesn't know how to get the D. And so the next best thing that she can do, we circle back around to Jealous Janice. The next best thing that she can do is try to be you. Because what better way to jump upon the cocky than to be the woman or to emulate the woman whom that cocky was made for. So she befriends you. She gets into close proximity with you. She learns your movements and your styles. Because all in all, deep down beneath it, she really wants to be you. So she comes in and she emulates the queen. She studies your dance moves, your makeup techniques, your highlights and your contours, the way that your body is shaped in all of its curvaceous glory. She tries to emulate your black girl magic and she can't. So sooner or later, 
she turns on you. She gets all that she can from you and in the anger of really wanting to be you and get pandekaki, she then attempts to eliminate you because she sees that magicalness. She sees that, that, that beauty, that pungent regality dripping from you. And she doesn't know how to come to grips with the fact that the things which made you would break her. As a life coach, I come into contact with many different people. And one of the women that I was coaching one day, she told me how much she really wished that she could be a black woman. She says, I see black women walking and there's an energy about black women. There's a power about black women. And I wish that I could be a black woman. I wish that I had that power and that grace under fire. I wish that I had that silent, stealthy, and sensuous strength. I wish that I possessed the ability to be able to have the creativity, to be thrown scraps and make a quilt, to be thrown trash and create a world-renowned soul food cuisine, to be given nothing and birth the world from it. I wish that I had that power. I wish that I had that ability. And I sat there just thinking to myself, because it wasn't my place to say, but I thought of how it's like coal saying, you know what? I really wish that I could be diamonds, but not realizing that what it is that makes the diamonds is a pressure that compounded upon that coal until it didn't break but it burst inward and created the fragments of what becomes that renowned cut, clarity, and carrot. It was that pressure. So the very thing that you want is actually the very thing that you're afraid of because it's from being baptized in the fire that the phoenix rose triumphant. Listen to what it is that I'm saying. It's from being brandished in the fire that the phoenix rose triumphant so at the bottom line she wants to be you she wants that black girl magic and she doesn't really understand how keeping herself sheltered in this privileged point of view is actually stopping her from gaining the depth of the power that is the base of black girl magic and so that leads into the petulant petunia. Petulant petunia is mad at mama. She knows from whence she came. And just like a petulant child, petulant petunia acts out against that which created her. So she sees Mama Africa, Mother Earth, walking in all her splendid glory, and she's angry. She's angry that she was left a fragment of this person, not really knowing how to become whole. And she hates that which she cannot become. So she does things like being Dick riding Rita, riding Pandit Dick, hoping that by going through a black man that somehow she can enter into your womb. So that she says, listen, if I can't get back into mama, I will get the closest thing that I can. I will get on top of black dick and hope that through that I am transferred back into mama's womb. But it doesn't work like that, does it? It doesn't work like that, does it? So you'll see them 
on the internet attacking you and coming for you getting gassed up in the head by lost black men who tell them and gas them up into thinking that there is some defunct flaw in mama africa get these women gassed up into thinking oh well this is what is wrong with you because i've heard this from a broken black man whose penis was so available to me because of that brokenness and he's empowered her and gassed her up to go out there on the prowl to attack you and to come for you because when all is said and done she really wants to be you and she gives birth to daughters attempting with their dna to go back into the blackness she's been empowered and gassed up by broken black men to feel that she can speak for the black community because she's heard so much from his brokenness that now she's flipped this around i don't know if she's ingested so much dna through the seminal fluid that now she feels that she is an honorary black woman and she knows that in order to really rise to the position of queen that she must first attempt to dethrone the queen who is already there and so she sees you out there walking in the street in all of your glory and she wants to try to diminish you she wants to try to tell you that you don't belong she wants to try to humiliate you and she says oh well i cannot be racist because i suck on black penis so no i can't be quote unquote racist because i gargle on those obsidian colored balls i do so i can't be racist knowing that petulant petunia really is hoping to be able to dethrone you hoping but just like in the story of who moved my cheese if you are not the creator and the originator when the supply is gone there is no more there is no more under this archetype is antebellum agnes antebellum agnes wishes for the days of old on the surface seems like she wants to return to the days of old she wishes for the day where she could command you to do her bidding and tell you what to do and because she can't she is now angry because she's like mama why have you forsaken me why are you not at my beck and call why can i no longer control you and she doesn't know how to deal with this world without that control when we go back to control freak franny where she felt comfortable when you were under her home taking care of her and catering to her but the moment that you gained your independence and she could no longer control you then all of a sudden she became quote-unquote afraid of you because she knows that she's recessive and she knows that you can absorb her and that she will be no more so she attempts to rid herself of the mother from whence she came let's go forward let's go forward the shadow side of this archetype is wilting wilma wilting wilma is at her wits end she really doesn't know what to do she has had it with adulting she doesn't want to deal with this life like this she wants you to take care of her she wants you to be her maid clean up after her take care of her children she misses her magical negro who was always at her beck and call who would be there whenever she snapped she misses the magical negro who would sacrifice themselves for her happiness so that anything that she wanted oh it was no problem miss missy well, Miss Missy Wong, we'll get. She misses you taking care of her. She misses being under your comfort and confines. 
so she throws her tantrums because at the end of it she just doesn't understand how you are out there in this world living so happily and so freely without her she sees your little children thriving and surviving and she just doesn't understand she was fed a lie she was told she was superior but when she really looked around and really analyzed it she knew that she didn't really have the building blocks to be able to rise from the depths from which you have risen so she sees you out there with your head held high that slim old waist and that big old booty curvy as can be plump lips hair that defies gravity and she sees you out there thriving killing it making moves and she sees herself wilting she doesn't know how to deal with life and so she sees that more and more white women are dying from drinking and drugging themselves to death because they just can't deal with the difficulties of this life and she sees you black bitch who came from nothing they took everything from you and yet here you are skin glowing popping in your majesticness shining out there with your doggone contours and slim waist and lovely magical hair and she doesn't understand how how without my permission how without me being able to thrive how are you out there killing it and doing it so wonderfully when you've come from so far down below i was told that i was superior i was told that my mind worked better i was told that i was more feminine i was told that i was more beautiful but when all is said and done when we look at the standard of beauty and what is the ultimate desire of female fertility it's not the androgynous body that that they told me that i should grow into it's the big waist to hip ratio that you have boom booming it along as you walk looking confident like nothing can bother you taking all the stresses and strains of the world and making it look easy and she's angry and she's wilting and she's killing herself slowly and she's angry at you for being able to thrive and survive and she doesn't know how you do it I'm going to tell you all this story and I tell this to you because I was able to see this and catch myself and recognize the bias that existed inside of me. And I felt that if I as a black person felt this way, that I know that there are other people out there who have more and who have been told more than I who also feel a similar way. You all know that I attract men who have money. Years ago, I met this guy who was from Nigeria, and not Nigerian-American or Nigerian-European like the ones that I've been used to dating, but this guy was straight from Nigeria, fresh off the boat. He didn't even have his paperwork all together. And he told me to come down to where it is that he was staying. And he told me that he was staying near Times Square, and I was like, well, surely that can't be. <laughs> surely can't be. And I went to go visit him where it is that he was staying. And oh, true, yes, very much indeed. He was right off of Broadway, right in the heart of Times Square. And he was staying at this extended stay hotel. And I went up into his place and I looked at his luggage and his clothing and the cufflinks and the shirts and the shoes. And everything about him dripped money. 
Now, personally, I don't know how much money this man had, but he was a developer and he developed real estate. He said he came to the U.S. to be able to build buildings, right? Not just apartment buildings, but build developments, right? And part of the reason that our relationship really didn't work out is it was difficult understanding and speaking with him. He didn't really speak English well, but nonetheless, right? Nonetheless. So I saw how it is that he was living and I looked around and there was a part of me that felt a little twinge of something. I couldn't put my finger on it, but it was a sort of jealousy. And I felt like I had been lied to and I felt like I had been bamboozled. And I felt this feeling, I'm going to explain it to you because I can't really put it into words, right? Because I'm still trying to understand it myself. I felt like here I am born in America. Here I am bestowed with this American citizenship and all of the things that they pump your head up with about being American. And I remember I looked at him and I was like, how is it that me who was born in this country, that I'm living on the outskirts of the city, and he who's just come into this country, who they claim is, is swinging around in trees and all this other mess, that this person who has come from absolute quote-unquote nothing has so much more than me. And I felt a complex set of feelings that even now I don't really understand. But I felt like because I am American that I am quote-unquote better than a quote-unquote African. And I felt ashamed of myself noticing that those feelings had crawled up from somewhere, from the bowels of my being. And I checked myself real quick. I checked myself real quick. But I felt like I had been duped by this country, that I had been duped by the lies that they've told us about the motherland. That I had been duped by what it is that these people have really described to us as quote-unquote thriving. So that we're here in this country thinking that we're thriving and other people in other countries have more education, have greater ability for upward mobility, greater resources. And I felt like I had been living a lie. Now, I don't remember anybody telling me outright, oh, you're better than a quote-unquote African. I don't remember anybody ever telling me that in those words. However, I feel like there are things that imply that in our society. You know, they're showing us pictures of children with puffed-out bellies, flies in their eyes, and they, they're showing us abject poverty and people coming from really needing us to bestow upon them. And somewhere along the line, somewhere deep in my psyche, that was implanted like the like the princess and the pea, like that little pea that exists underneath the mattress and you got to pull those mattresses apart. And I don't tell this story. As a matter of fact, I feel like this story makes me look really badly. However, this gave me some insight to the feelings of superiority. I truly felt that by my American birthright that I was superior to other people. And I'm a black American woman who was at the bottom of the rungs in America. So I'm, I'm sitting near the bottom of the low who I felt feelings of superiority to my brother, another black man making it in this world. And not just any other black man, but a black man who was interested in me 
and there were those twangs and feelings of inferiority, complex feelings of superiority in comparison. And I had to check myself, but it gave me an insight to what some people who consider themselves to be white may be feeling on the inside, that they were told this lie. But when they looked out, reality told them something different. Now imagine if I had been carried up to the top of the hill, like that scene from The Lion King, where Mufasa tells Simba to look out from here to there. All of this is yours. This land is your land. This land is my land. From the New York City to the California Islands. <laughs> Look, I don't know the song, but I'm just saying. Imagine if I had been taken up to the top of this hill and had been specifically told, look, this is your birthright, this is your land, you, are, you have dominion over this, you are the greatest, you are the smartest, you are this, you are that. And then when I look around in sports, when I look around in feminine beauty, when I look around at all of these new inventions coming up, when I look around at all of the different categories out there and I see that I'm falling behind, even so much so I can't even stand in Addison. So that if we're standing up there out on the hill and Mufasa is telling me this is all yours, that I gotta be up there with sunscreen, otherwise the doggone sun would decimate me. So imagine being told all of this is yours. And then you see these other people who have such a tremendous disadvantage. And you're like, what the hell is going on? This is supposed to be mine. And then we get to the third and final archetype. Greedy Greta. Greedy Greta. And I want to give a special shout out to my niece who helped me come up with this archetype. It was very difficult combining all of these together and I'd love for you to tell me how you think I did with the archetypes. But she helped me come up with Greedy Greta from a joke that she had heard in a person's stand-up routine. So Greedy Greta has some similarities as Control Freak Franny where she likes to be in control and she likes to have power over you. Except Greedy Greta takes it a step further. Greedy Greta doesn't feel that you should have. Greedy Greta feels that her children should have. She doesn't give a damn if your kids got flies in their eyes or in poor districts. When all is said and done, Greedy Greta cares about her and hers. That's it. And Greedy Greta has some of that, that jealous Janice in her, where she's like, you know what? I can't let you succeed because if you come up, you're going to overtake me. And so she wants to keep all the resources for herself. She wants to keep this land her land. And by hook or crook, she's going to stop you from encroaching upon what she feels is quote-unquote rightfully hers. Happy belated Indigenous Peoples Day, by the way, Greedy Greta. So Greedy Greta uses the wilds of her ways. And on the shadow side of Greedy Greta is Damsel Darla. And Damsel Darla knows what it is that she wants. She wants to be able to keep these resources for herself and the children who come as the fruit of her loins who she knows carries recessive genes. So Damsel Darla needs for her man to protect her. She needs to know that her man is still there with her. That when she bats her eyes like the butterfly effect around the world, that she can cause a war or storms. And so she bats and she flutters her eyes just to make sure that the white man or whichever man 
because if you know like jealous Janice or dick riding Rita you know that she wants all of the men to come and bow down to what it is that she considers the self-opposed propped up standard of beauty much like that young lady in that broadcast crying oh I thought that the police were going to come and save me so that the police officers are an extension of the white male patriarchy coming to save the day and the other side of damsel Darla is Missy Prissy and Missy Prissy is diabolical she wants to hold on to her real estate of femininity by making sure that she constantly and consistently is the victim because what better way to feel and enact your femininity than to have men come and save you and act on your behalf what better way to exert your femininity out onto others and the world than to bat your eyes let people know that you're in trouble and have people come running to the rescue and I believe that Missy Prissy and her diabolical ways she actually does some of this on purpose just to know that she still quote-unquote got it that she has to constantly put the white man through tests to know whether or not she still has that control and so she wields her powers and control over the men women and people around her the aggressive victim antagonizing and pursuing her prey you remember the woman who was antagonizing the people at the park who were going to barbecue you remember she was all tough with her frown and her phone until the police got there and she melted into a puddle of tears hugging and holding on to the officer the big black people the big bad black people are coming for me remember in the follow-up to that target video the woman called her colored she said oh that all they saw was a colored woman and her child and then it escorted her off and then she was disappointed to know that she was not escorted out she was just in another part of the store because she expected to be able to bat her eyes oh father Hashem I bat her eyes and then oh the police would come running because to her feeling safe is knowing that the police will be like your your state mandated big brother come and beat up anybody who gets in your way beat up those black bitches and everybody else do you think these people don't know what it is that they're doing when they call the police you think that they don't know it's a dangerous life or death situation for black people at many times you think they don't know but they're just like the little kid on the playground like I'm gonna call my big brother what big brother can come and get you big brother coming I'm gonna get him get you and if we think about it we're talking about this new phenomenon of the aggressive white victim but for many of us we know that this phenomenon is not new if you go back into the archives of junior high and elementary school you realize that the building blocks of that had been there all along I went to school in the Bronx so there were no European Caucasian Americans in my school however there were Caucasian Latinos in my school and I remember the days when they would start and pop their junk they would pop their junk and then when a teacher or somebody came around 
all of a sudden they were the innocent ones and you were the one looking near like the big bad black person. I told you all the story of when I went to the rodeo and this woman got up from behind me and she walked around and she made sure she was on the other side of the stairs to go down the bleacher to be like F you then put her middle finger up and when I said no F you and told her to come on back there right cuz she went down to till she got to the bottom of the stairs and started putting her middle fingers up and I was like come on back up here right I was like F you and then heard the man that she was with was like you know you really didn't have to say that to her I was like what I was like she came here to my face and said F you to me right meanwhile she's letting the man fight her battle I don't know where she is now she's around the bottom of the bleachers but I'm like telling him just go on go on with yourself go on and then security comes up to me and I'm like oh thank goodness you're here thank goodness you're here foolish me thinking that security was coming to assist me I really honestly thought they were coming to assist me they see that this man is having an argument with me I really thought security and I was like thank goodness you're here and I realized that security wasn't there to help me when security said listen we can't have you scaring the children I was like me I was like that woman is the aggressor and when I looked the woman had ran off they allowed the woman to leave when they came and they approached me so I know that there's so many of you who are out there who are like oh I wish I can't I wish one of these situations no you don't want to wish one of those situations into your life because this society will remind you real quick who they think is the nigga they will remind you very quickly security came up to me and I was like that woman was the aggressor and I had to ask the people next to me and I had to have the white folk the good white folk vouch for me they were like yeah it was her it was it was her and then security felt stupid but then all that they could say is again we can't have you scaring the children and I'm thinking to myself goddamn we out a rodeo if these children ain't heard some curse words before then I don't look then we ain't in the country look we out in the West over here talking about I'm scaring the children and there was this aggressor who brought profanity into the conversation so if I were to imagine which archetype she was I would think that she is the greedy Greta mm, maybe not greedy Greta let's see which archetype would she be let me look through my archetypes you know what I'm gonna leave that up to you she is somewhere in there with not feeling that I should be able to have a good time why am I at the rodeo the rodeo is supposed to be for her and her people why is this negra here let me work on putting her in her place Missy Prissy put her in her place on that note we're going to get out of here I thank you so much for going on this journey with me if there are any that I left out of the archetypes please follow up with me and let me know and I'll add that into the next video as well as some of the voice messages that you all left I want to give a special shout out to a person whose comment I read but when I went back to look for the name of the comment I could not find the comment so it was either on YouTube or Facebook but the person basically said that for white women 
their voice is their violence, that that's how they enact their violence out. And I thought that that was a very prolific conversation that actually took me back to grade school, how we had the hierarchies of people and the person who was the darkest was the one who was considered the aggressor, even if it was somebody else who had started it. The darker you are, the more aggressive they thought you were. And these were the biases that are automatically implanted into them. And I think it's true that women use the power of words as their fists, whereas a man who has these prejudices, he'll probably go and get himself some power, get himself a badge or a gavel, and be able to wield his power under the cloak of darkness so that he can enact his prejudice upon other people. Whereas the white woman, who is largely, especially by her voting practices, politically powerless, but socially powerful, she continues to align herself with those who have aligned themselves to allow their bigotry to enact out publicly and stealthily. So listen, on that note, thank you so much for going down this journey with me. I appreciate you coming out. Make sure that you thumbs up the podcast if you're seeing this on Apple Podcasts. Thank you for tuning in across the web. On Anchor, you can leave a voice message. I really want to hear your take and your feedback on how you felt about today's segment. It was a very difficult segment to do and it had a lot of moving parts and I hope that I did the conversation justice. Remember to share my podcast with your loved ones. Support the podcast by getting my self-love affirmations workbook or mp3s or lessons at tanyatko.com. Remember I have hypnotherapeutic mp3s to help you create shifts on the inside. I also have a course, Will My Man Be Wealthy, to help you identify the characteristics that show you which man you should stand through the thicket in and which one you need to leave and let go. Also, consider contributing to my podcast monthly. I appreciate all of your support. The podcast is growing so nicely, so thank you for sharing. Thank you for listening. Thank you for suggesting it to other people. Tanya TKO, goddess off the grid, and I'm out. Go out there and love one another, but most importantly, love yourself. And part of loving yourself is realizing that there's not much difference between all of us. Part of loving yourself is undoing some of the programming, realizing where there is programming. Because if you're aware of the program, then you're outside of it. So get outside of your program, become aware of it, and then do the things that you need to do to shift it. Tanya TKO, and I'm out. Peace. Come over to Tanya TKO. As it relates to white people coming into the spaces of black people and bullying them, uh, this actually is a human behavior, what I find, um, in that people that have gotten away with doing things that are wrong or bringing harm upon other people, and they're sort of rewarded, um, even rewarded for their behavior, uh, they become stronger. Uh, and become more bolder and more self-righteous and believe that what they are doing is the right thing to do because they are the rulers and, and governors of, uh, of, of this space. Black people in their uh, fear uh, that has been put into them um, and not standing up for themselves only gives their perpetrators more power and, and, uh, and authority over them. 
Hi, Tanya. I want to say thank you for addressing this topic about the aggressive white victim. It reminded me of another topic about how certain parts of that society does not believe that we feel pain. And so I think this is how I correlate to answer your question. I feel that they just have no awareness or have any ability within themselves to care that we feel anything. We shouldn't feel anything. This also reminded me of a time when I was standing in line with a bunch of people and a white woman is standing in front of me. I had to unwedge my foot from underneath her foot bottom after she stepped atop my foot. After being exhausted from that day, I decided not to be the angry black woman and address it. However, once I placed my hand on the seat in order to brace myself to move forward, I had a whole bunch of bags and all of that, that was when the lady decided to address it aggressively that, hey, what do I think I'm, I'm doing by placing my hand um, in front of her seat to brace myself? Hi, Tanya. This is Miss Pink Secrets, a.k.a. Miss Pinky. Um, I'm responding to your video of why white women choose to be aggressive or, you know, um, I believe that if and if you react to a white woman's passive aggressiveness, they get a rise out of it. White women love to test stereotypes out of black women to make themselves feel pretty much confident. And they just hate to see a confident, beautiful, feminine, classy black woman. It's just pretty much envious, I feel.